On today's episode of The Glue Guys, wow. the Nets have traded for a dynamic two-guard, mm-hmm. not named James Harden, Bruce Brown. We're talking about the, nice. the end of the John and Musa era, mm-hmm. and we're going to talk a lot about James Harden to the Brooklyn Nets, because there's a lot of angles to this, a lot to unpack, and we're going to unpack it like a family of four <laughs> coming in and staying a week of vaca- vacation. At Hershey Park. Mike, you realize as soon as you hit publish on this episode, something's going to happen. We're going to have to pot again. You realize that, right? Yes. Welcome back to the Glue Guys. This is Mike Ersilla Brian. Check us out on Twitter at BK Glue Guys, NetsDaily.com, The Athletic. Get behind that paywall. A dollar a week. A dollar a week. TheAthletic.com slash Glue Guys. Brian. Wow. Mike, what's going on? The Nets are back. Back in the news. Back in the news cycle where they belong. There's so much to discuss on this show. The draft is Wednesday. The Nets made a trade, and the Nets may be on the verge of making an earth-shattering trade involving James Harden. Um, But before we begin, we would be remiss to not discuss Mm. and to not lament a fallen brother. The end of the John and Musa era, the Brooklyn Nets. This is is a really tough day for me. Musa has meant a lot to me. As a fan of basketball, I mean, you're it's, being it's hy- a sad day. You're being hyperbolic, and that's and that's fine because you know Zonin was our favorite meme, and I think he would even know that. I mean, from the moment I just thought, like thinking back to that first press conference with him and Rodion's Keurigs, and Rodion's is obviously like going along for the ride, but Zonin is just being like Mama mentality, boys. We are out here, <laughs> killer instincts. You know, we're we're going for the jugular each and every night of our lives. And Rodin's is like, hell yeah, I'm with that. And fed off his confidence. And in a lot of ways, I think everyone just sort of, everyone fed off of it. And he did to a fall. He was the nexus of the confidence that maybe overwhelmed him at some point. But it, it surely had its tendrils everywhere into the psyche of each and every individual player. So for those, I think he's a rock of confidence that leaked into the franchise. And we, we sapped that resource. We took the resource... Took everything we needed out of it and shipped it off to Michigan <laughs> where they can maybe get the dregs of it. But that's that's sort of how I feel about uh, Musa. I loved, I loved having him. He was a great meme um, and a sweet boy. And we're going to miss him. The rock of John and Brawlter, if you nice. will. Um, nice. I, like you, have loved him from the moment. My first laid eyes upon his draft profile. If we can dive back into the Draft Express archives for a second. John's photo was... Him always with his slumped shoulders because he's never learned to properly stand up straight like myself. And he had a black mask on on the basketball court, a a Rip Hamilton style mask. But he opted for the black. And I think it really epitomized who he was. He was an assassin on the basketball court in his mind. And I loved him for it. I loved that every time John Musa stepped on the court, he was going to fire up the shot the second he got the ball, even if he knew inside his soul the best case for John and Musa 
would to be a corner three-point shooter. The guy's 6'9", can handle the ball a little bit, but if he could just just stand in the corner and shoot threes, he'd be making $15 million a year. But our boy Moose wasn't going to let that happen, Bri. You know, you he hear, was a killer. You hear about people playing bigger than their position. Zayn Musa was one of the rare guys that played exponentially smaller than his actual. Like, you would never have guessed that he was 6'9". But yeah, anyways. Um, and we have Bruce Brown, new, new guy on the team, Mike. Did you watch your YouTube highlights yet? Yeah, so Bruce Brown is... So when... I saw that they had traded for Bruce Brown, that the Nets had traded for Bruce Brown. I was so happy. Not because that I think Bruce Brown is going to forever alter the landscape of the Brooklyn Nets, but he shows that Sean Marks is at least still interested on making wins mm. on the margins. Yes. Bruce Brown is like the NBA analyst's favorite type of player. You know, the not that good. came out of the woodwork in support of this thing. One after the other, Mike. One, I mean, Kevin O'Connor likes it. Zach Lowe likes it very much for the Brooklyn Nets. He's a defensive guard who I asked James Edwards III, who is the Pistons beat writer for The Athletic, what what he thought about Bruce. Bruce Brown is no fuss. He's a smart guy, a really good locker room presence, and all defense. And that is the exact recipe of player that these Brooklyn Nets need. Um, And it shows that Sean Marks still cares about the margins, that he still cares about turning John and Moose in a second round pick into, you know, ultimately like the eighth player on the team. So they took one of the worst players on the team and turned him into a guy who maybe could get you 12 to 15 minutes a game and someone who could, you know, at times play next to Kyrie Irving if you're playing a really dynamic point guard and you need Bruce Brown to guard that really. It's a good move. It's a good move. Musa wasn't going to play for the Nets. He wasn't. Like you said, like he he was 6'9", but played like he was 5'2". Yeah. Often. He never used his size to advantage besides putting up shots. Yeah. A great, solid move. And it comes, though, as we're like sitting here on the precipice of potentially, you know, just this earth shattering basketball reference dot com shattering level trade mm-hmm. that has just been the smoke from this James Harden fire. Yes. Has been billowing. The smoke has been billowing. It is getting into the crockroft of a house. I don't know if there's a word that <laughs> almost sure is that. I know what that is. The attic, oh, the but there's like there's like a, a phrase in when you're building a home, like a crow's nest. What is it? A cockcroft? Uh, I'll look so it like up. The rafters as we're talking. Up the, yeah. the, in the rafters of a home. Yeah, it sounds because right. my I mean, home is just it has no just floors. rafters. <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah. <laughs> it's like you live my, under my, a under a bridge. My own jersey up yeah. in my rafter. Yeah. Um, so we're sitting here, and the, so by the way, let's cap the the Bruce Brown trade. Okay. Excited, happy, great, right? love great. it, great. Lock it. That up. that's a good move. Uh. James Harden, Brian. Lots to lots of so okay. Let's let's start from the beginning. Um, what? Well, I don't know. Let's maybe not start at the beginning. What do you think? Do you think <laughs> it's going to happen? Let's just get right into the meat of it. <laughs> uh, so here's what I think, and, uh-huh. and we're going to do positive negatives. We're going to take your emails. And thank you for everyone doing emails. Netspod at everyone's, gmail.com. Everyone's doing emails. My my general sense is if Kevin Durant wants it to happen, not even Kyrie Irving, but if Kevin Durant wants it to happen. And James Harden only wants to go to the Brooklyn Nets, then it's going to happen, right? Because I don't think if you're another team in the NBA, James Harden has enough years on his deal where, like, you could trade for him. He couldn't just sit out the year. I don't think Harden's necessarily that guy. But if Harden wants to go to Brooklyn, Brooklyn can give enough of a package that would make it so Houston would say, okay, like, yes, we will take Lavert, Dinwiddie, Jared Allen, 
and three first round picks because that's essentially what it would be. Um, now, do I think it's going to happen? I don't know. We Here's the latest information, Brian. Tweet from Sham Sharani as we're recording this at 335. This is the latest from Shams about around three o'clock. James Harden wants to be on a contender elsewhere and Brooklyn and Philly are believed to be his top desired trade destinations. And Houston, but Houston is fully comfortable keeping Harden and Westbrook into the season. Now let's break through down that, that tweet a little bit. So the two places that constantly have been mentioned is are the Nets and the 76ers. If I'm the Rockets, there's no way I'm trading James Harden back to Daryl Morey after Daryl Morey resigned to spend time with his family. And then he spent time with his family for just two days and then immediately moved halfway across the country to not be with his family. Well, OK, so there's that's an interesting argument. <clears throat> I like it. And I think that it's I do think it, though, it, it airs. Well, it's more of a projection of yours, right? Because you are spiteful and you would be butter. <laughs> and so you would do this. But I do think that I mean, we can get into this because addresses it. Well, we'll just get right into the email that I chose. I chose one of the emails. Should I just do it? Because this is basically yeah, it. do it. Absolutely. This is from Treboy Jose. Just Jose, or actually, sorry, Jake Cruz. My bad, my bad, Jake Cruz. Um, he says, which East teams can beat the Nets offer? And this is the next part of it. How, also, how can Harden push his way to the Nets, the Nets, when he has no leverage? Love the pod, but can Brian lessen the I don't know and answers a question with a question? And <laughs> Jake Cruz, obviously, I feel incredibly seen, incredibly called out uh, for the charlatan fraud that I am. Um, this is how I feel. This is That's the imposter syndrome that I you know, wear every day of my life. Um, but, but I'm a that Libra. is your style. I you shouldn't feel bad about it. The problem is I'm just, you know, astrologically inclined to just not be decisive. So what can I do? I can, <laughs> I can only play both sides of the fence. No, it's a, it's a great insight, Jose. I, it's one of the things that I hate about myself. So I appreciate you uh, pointing it out. Um, well, can but, I, yeah. I'm going to fall on the sword for a second. The thing that happens is that I get on a monologue but I don't give Brian any avenues with which to have his own thought about the thing. Like, I don't tell Brian, hey, I'm going to do this thing. and I do, But I just do it on him. And I expect you to have to say words. So I defend you. Yeah. I mean, it's the best I can. It's the best I can do, really. That's <laughs> that's, that's, my, that's my answer. But anyways, uh, I appreciate the email, Jose. And um, you're still love you back. Love you right back. It's all love here. <laughs> um, but so this goes into which teams can beat the Nets offer. Um, and here's my like super head. Like I'm opinionated about this. Uh, and unequivocally the 76ers undoubtedly can beat this offer, uh, with just floating out Ben Simmons. Just the one thing I, I, I did look at, uh, some like NBA Reddit conversations. Um, I guess I don't know if I'm surprised by this or not, but people, the general world of the NBA, and this is a pretty, you know, this is a, a qualitative argument that I'm about to make. Um, they are very low on Karis LeVert compared to the NB, the Nets fan base um, that we we cohabitate with. So uh, it is interesting to see just how low people are on Karis LeVert comparatively, uh, yeah. you know, to to the Nets audience that we that we often see on Twitter. Well, that, but that is the thing that is hometown bias. Every fan base we all feel this way. Like, so I don't actually. I, obviously, Karis LeVert I think is more beloved, sort of in NBA front offices than Spencer Dinwiddie. But I think, like, per fan base, I actually think F- Dinwiddie's almost preferred over Levert. It, but obviously, fan bases don't make trades. But Dinwiddie has been a more consistent performer over a longer period of time than Karis Levert has. 
But I think if you're making a trade, I think all front offices all realize that Karis LeVert is a guy who could score you 25 points a game, five assists and five rebounds. You know what the comparison is? It's, you know, yeah. often so like they, they talk about as being injury prone or whatever. And I think that the reason that the that Nets fans have a different opinion of this is that I kind of think of it like um, just because like the way that he we've talked about this like ebbs and flows, uh, which is that like he builds up, builds up, builds up and like starts to play really well and then like has a setback with an injury or whatever. Kind of reminds me, you, you ever see Stranger Things, you know, like Eleven, Absolutely, the yeah. character Eleven, where like, yeah. <laughs> like in order to do something great, has to like, has to blow it out, gets, gets blown out. And then like, and then she nose. just like goes, yeah, <laughs> has a nose out, it. it's sort of the Jean Grey model of like superpower, right? You like, you use it and then like, you're out, you got to take a nap. And that's but like a less effective Jean Grey, let's <laughs> yeah. be honest, yeah. you know, not quite Jean Grey. Sure. Maybe Baby Yoda. Yeah. Baby Yoda is, I don't know, I know you don't watch the Does Mandalorian. Does he faint? But, he faints too? But, he he does something nice and then he faints and then yeah. he doesn't do f- the force powers anymore. The so, exact he Levert really is a baby Yoda. So whatever that honest. that archetype is of guys that, that blow it <laughs> blow it out when they get when they get real powerful. That's sort of how Curse of Burn is, and it's imminently rootable. I mean, think about the the characters that we just named: like Eleven, Baby Yoda. These are beloved characters beloved. because they sacrifice themselves. That's the Jean Grey, not really beloved. Nobody nobody loves Jean Grey, but it's kind of a more of a frustration with Jean. Pamka Johnson was. Yeah. With the the actress who played her in the original X Men movies, which is weird for me to say original X Men movies, because now I feel like an old man by like not Sophie Turner's not my Jean Grey, right? But <laughs> fair, and, fair point. To answer Jose's question, yes, we're looking at the Eastern Conference teams. So you look at the Eastern Conference standings, and if you understand sort of that Harden only wants to go to a contender, and yes, you could say. Oh, what is he? He doesn't really have any power in the situation. You know, he has a contract. The Rockets can send him to whoever. Well, most teams aren't going to be giving up a bundle of assets if they don't have an understanding that Harden would most likely stay. The the one exception to that rule was the Kawhi Leonard trade to the Raptors. Really, the Raptors didn't give up all that much. Like they gave up DeRozan and what else? Danny Green. Danny Green, two-time champion. Well, three-time champion, but two times in a row. Mm-hmm. And maybe hopefully Brooklynette in the future. I don't know. Uh, okay, so Milwaukee could put together something of like Bledsoe and DJ Wilson and Dante Vincenzo, Divincenzo, but that's not very sexy. Toronto can do the Pascal Siakam OJ Ananobi deal, which which hat which is better than Laver and Dinwiddie, and they could put together picks. But I have a sense that that's not going to work out overall. Indiana's not going to do it. The Celtics could do a Jalen Brown and a bunch of picks type deal, but they'd have to do that immediately. You think Tyler Hero's up, for, up on the block yet? So that's my thing. I think that the two best contenders in the East, if we're just looking at the East, Miami and Philly. Like if you're if you're Houston and you say, oh, we have Ben Simmons for five seasons because that's the control. You basically do like Ben Simmons, Zaire Smith, and whatever, like maybe a couple of other things. For James Harden, like I'd feel pretty good if I was Houston and I was just taking Ben Simmons, and then I take Russell Westbrook and I spin Westbrook off to Charlotte for whatever. Like I, you know, like what do you do there? But if you're Miami, it's definitely Tyler. Tyler Hero has to be in the deal. I kind of think Bam Adebayo has to be in that deal, and and you're basically saying we're gonna give up Bam and Tyler Hero with the understanding that if we get James Harden with Jimmy Butler that we're probably going to get Giannis as a free agent. Now, I don't know how the financials of all that works. Like you have to, 
you would have to do a lot of financial maneuvering to get Butler, Harden, and Giannis all under the cap. Like Giannis would have to take significantly less money, I believe, to make that happen. But let me play devil's advocate. Just stacking Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Kendrick Nunn against Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie, Jared Allen. What's the better combo there? I say the Nets, right? I think so. I mean, but I can't tell. It's weird. Do you think Hero's a better player than... Do you think he is a higher ceiling, better player than Karis LeVert? Because um, I don't. So, I mean, the Tyler Hero thing is the one real complexity. And I hate to answer this with another question. Like, <laughs> it, it really is hard to know because, like, yes, Tyler Hero had a great bubble. But that, does, that doesn't seem to me to be, like, a, that's not going to be his homeostasis forever going forward. That would be <laughs> a really, like, that would be crazy and possible. But I, I guess I just don't think it, as likely as the alternative. Of him coming yeah, a I, little bit back down to earth. Yeah. So like, I think, I think Tyler Hero probably does have more value just because he is a rookie. He's, how old is he? He, they call him, by the way, his nicknames on basketball reference, Boy Wonder, Bucket, which no one should be allowed to be called Bucket at this point, and Baby Goat, which is pretty baby, amazing. Big, baby Goat's good. I think it should be, if anything, a bucket. kind of looks goatish. Yeah. Not, he's obviously greatest of all time is what I recall him, but he kind of even looks like. Like a goat. Mm-hmm. And I mean that lovingly. Like, yeah. mazel tough to you. I think we should try to get more into, like, literal bucket. Like I would, like an actual, <laughs> <laughs> like, like a literal, like a literal bucket would be a better, a better nickname. Um, so he's only 20 years old. He's about to be, he's going to be 21 mm. in January. So I'm excited for him to finally be able to drink alcohol. That's pretty tasty. Ma- congrats to you. So but young. That is so young. Like, the, the Rockets would have control over him for the next eight years where Levert like you know you have control over him for another two or three years and then you know and Levert's already getting up there in age Levert's a better player right now than Tyler Hero for sure I think if you had wanting one of those two guys to lead your team it would be Karis Levert but I think like the asset asset it's Tyler Hero you know yeah it's such a it's such a funny one because like yeah I mean like the yeah because here's the other thing that people fail to recognize though about Karis LeVert is that again his ceiling is seems very much not like I think he's like 60% of the way to reaching a ceiling for Karis LeVert maybe 70% like this, the ceiling still looms pretty high for him um, <clears throat> Tyler Hero again like that's he, he also has a very high ceiling um, it's a tough one it's a really tough one I hate to be indecisive so, on this so and that's again I kind of go back to like this whole thing like Yes, there are going to be other teams with better packages. Like, I think Denver, you could just, like, you do Michael Porter Jr. and Gary Harris and a bunch of first-round picks and, and Bull Bull. And that's – Michael Porter Jr., I think, trumps – we're being told that trumps Lavert, trumps Tyler Hero, trumps, trumps pretty much everything. I don't know if it does for Jalen Brown, but Jalen Brown's, like, another guy that's, like, if he's my best player, like, that's not at all good. I want him to be my third or fourth best player. Um the Warriors technically could put <laughs> Wiggins, their current second overall pick, plus the Timberwolves pick next year that they have control over, and then they immediately become like, that's an amazing package. And James Harden on the Warriors just bends my mind. like I, Because he, his style is even more of a shock to the system than you know Kevin Durant was. Well, there's another thing too, which is uh, Miami and... Denver have not been like designated one of his destinations by 
whoever's in James Harden camp who makes those calls. And I wonder why that is. And also if that's a thing that's immutable or, or that if that'll change. I don't know. I mean, Miami is really interesting. And I don't like I would imagine every player at this point would want to be on Miami. The only thing is like that Miami culture that we kept hearing about all the bubble, like how hard they work. Not saying that James Harden is not a hard worker, because obviously he is if he has the level of skill that he has. And Kelly Eco from The Athletic wrote an amazing piece about how much yoga Mm. James Harden was doing pre-bubble. But James Harden, I think, from also reporting from Kelly Eco, Sham Sharani, and Sam Amick, and this is going to go into my positive negatives whenever we get to it. I don't think Harden's personality is like Jimmy Butler vibes. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like it's very much, I want to get my 35 points, 10 rebounds, and 10 assists, but I'm not exactly a guy who's staying out after practice with my teammates, putting up shots. I'll work on my own. I'll do my own thing, but I'm not like team surround me. It seemed like Russell Westbrook, which made him chafe the most, was that there wasn't enough accountability and where does that unaccountability come from the non-accountant james harden so i kind of think it's positive and negative about that personality uh, uh do you want to think about what the movie comp with that with that because it's platoon that's that's what i think of as, <laughs> as, with james harden as as uh elias um and what's uh sergeant barnes tom Berenger. that's it uh, so it would be obviously he's a Tom Berenger. Come on. I, G- I only G- played the platoon video game. I never saw the movie. Really? Um, <laughs> so, okay. So I'm not sure how much the video game held to the plot <laughs> because it was 1987 when the game yeah. came out and I was probably playing it when I was. You're still, are you still playing it? Speed running it. You're speed running it now. <laughs> um, yeah. So basically it's, it's uh, the story of Charlie Sheen goes to war uh, in Vietnam uh, you already got you've me. Already, in. <laughs> you've heard it. And there's two like leaders of his platoon, I guess. And one is Tom Berenger and they're beer oh, drinkers. Is that why the movie's called Platoon? Yeah. They're beer drinkers and poker players. And then there's Willem Dafoe, who's Sergeant Elias, and they smoke weed and like listen to Miles Davis or something. And <clears throat> there's a uh, philosophical conflict within the platoon, right? Who's who's the better who's the better leader, <laughs> kind of in that sense. And uh yeah, so it's good. And for that reason, so James Harden obviously is the Willem Dafoe character and Jimmy Butler would be Tom Berenger, a hard ass, a beer drinking hard ass. In this case, in this, in this case uh, wine, wine drinking, because I know that Jimmy's big on on uh, expensive wines, him and Mark it, Wahlberg. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Remember when the Nets were going to get Jimmy yeah. Butler? Oh, dodged a bullet. Dodged, well, kind of, but I don't know now. Now I'm back on Jimmy Butler shit. Okay. So uh, let's take a quick break, and then we'll come do uh, pros and cons, positives and negatives of a James Harden to Brooklyn Nets deal. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right. So we get this email, netspod at gmail.com, from Evan Dunatov. Evan, thank you so much. So Evan has pros and cons 
of a James Harden trade. So we'll just roll through pros and cons. And then I kind of want to get into our own little positives and negatives. And I want to throw some stuff at you. So pros from Evan say that James Harden is James Harden is very good at basketball. That's confirmed. Superstars win titles. He's a friend of Kevin. And a pro is that haters would be furious. But that's also a con. Uh, that another con is that they probably are not going to be able to watch them in person this year if you have that team. If you're a Nets fan, you're really not going to be able to see many games in person. That there'll be lots of crying on Twitter from other fans. And that Nets fans will maybe be too bored with winning too many games, which is the Donald Trump defense. You'll be so sick of winning. We're going to win so much. Um, Thank you, Evan, for that email. It is strange to say, Brian, that there are negatives to a James Harden trade, right? Like, do you feel that, though, in your soul? Like, we haven't really addressed that, like how you feel about the trade overall, but I think there are negatives, right? There are clear negatives potentially to making a trade that may not outweigh the positives, but they exist. So I'll kind of throw some stuff at you and you hop in and I want to hear what you think. But here here are the positive and negatives. And one, they kind of like all are inverses of each other. But if the Nets get James Harden, they have they basically get the most dynamic offensive player in the NBA. Adding to that to their roster. But it just basically destroys any chance the Nets are going to have a good defense. Does that concern you at all? That if you had a Kyrie, James Harden, Durant, team that there's almost no way to construct a defense that would be better than not like I wouldn't even say they could they could be league average at that point. I know Harden's better than he's were than previously believed at defense and Kyrie maybe could be better too. But if you have KD coming off an Achilles, you have three guys on the floor who aren't gonna be known for their defense. KD used to be, but not anymore. I don't know if anymore. So here's my super decisive answer on this i think in my heart of hearts my truest feeling is that when you're playing team defense it is almost it's like 90 percent contextual are we going to be a good team oh we are let's actually learn how to play defense (laughs) and do it pretty well are we not going to be a good team oh we're going to be around you know 500 and i hope i don't like get hurt and you know ruin my financial future I might I might play 30% less hard on defense and it would be immeasurable quantitatively and to the naked eye. No one will ever know the difference. It'll be fine. So this is how I sort of think about things. I think there is a, a I mean, everyone hates that argument because it does like belie a certain kind of self-serving stereotype that people don't like to cast on NBA players if you're if you're a thinking man and, and I and we try to be, but there is a certain contextual element to it, right? If you're not going to be good, it doesn't really behoove you to play super hard defense. So I'm of the mind that when you're playing for championships, uh, if you are a f- like semi-functional, like in this case, superstar athlete, <laughs> that you can learn how to play uh, comprehensive team defense enough to be competitive at the highest levels. That said, it's tough because the Lakers, you know, like LeBron James is is unquestionably an elite defender. Anthony Davis, sort of unquestionably an elite defender. Uh, that's part of their construct of the team in a, in a totally different way. That's like a, one of the genetic makeups. So, like, I think it puts us in a great position in this world to get out of the East, you know. Uh, but I think, I guess, I don't know. But I think, oh, I'm getting mealy mouth now. Now I'm doing it. Jose, I got to remember Jose. I have to remember Jose. <laughs> But I'm saying, like, I do think that, like, a team who's hanging their hat on defense has a, has a slight on-paper advantage to a team that doesn't, but I do think it's slight. 
And the kind of offensive weaponry that we're talking about is unparalleled, maybe. Yeah, so that it kind of dovetails into one of my other positives that all mushes together when you talk about offense. It would be the greatest shooting team ever. Like, wh- whoever plays center, DeAndre Jordan or Jared Allen, if you re-sign Joe Harris and you bring in James Harden, I, I looked up, like, James Harden's spot-up shooting because he doesn't do it. Like, I was like, what are the stats? And he's like a 42% spot-up shooter, which is good. I'm Meaning, like, he's probably open if he's receiving a pass. But Harden's whole game is having the ball, step backs, shots in rhythm. That has been everything he does. And I can't even imagine in my mind what it would be like if he was just receiving a pass while wide open and having a shot. I think it would go in 80% of the time of how good of a shooter he is off the dribble and on step backs. So you would have Joe Harris, KD, Kyrie, and James Harden. That is better than what the Warriors had, even with Kevin Durant. Steph Curry and Klay Thompson because you add Joe Harris and then really it's only the center who's a bad shooter and you could even run out lineups where like KD is you know the five and you add in another good shooter off the bench whoever that would be and they're like the five out basketball that you would have would just be like it'd be jaw dropping and it would be the greatest offensive team of all time and we'll talk about coaching later but like they do have Mike D'Antoni on the bench, someone who understands offense at like the highest of levels. Well, see, with that team as constructed, like the pros and cons being what they are, I get it. But as long as you get to the playoffs, I, f- I feel pretty confident that you're getting at least at least on Eastern Conference Finals. And I would put a I would wager a pretty strong bet that they make it into the finals. That's like the, it's like a level of confidence yeah. they just I just don't have right now with the team. Like I don't get me wrong, I think we have a competitive, you know, as competitive as anyone else in the East, maybe potentially but it's still like i i can squint and be like yeah we're right there and in this case this puts us over into a different echelon right well and and so this is another inverse positive negative thing but if you get james harden that is your purest insurance of whether kd is not 100 percent himself or if Kyrie continues to have injury issues which he's had over his whole career like as much as we love spencer dinwiddie and karis avert They would have to be included in this James Harden trade, by the way. Um, Like they they could do 80 percent of Kyrie or KD or 70 percent. James Harden could do 110 percent of Kyrie. And if Kyrie continues to have injury issues and let's say he gets knocked out and they don't have James Harden on the roster at this point in this scenario. Well, the Nets with Kevin Durant and let's say Dinwiddie and Levert, that is still a really good team. That's not a finals team necessarily. If you have James Harden and it's just James Harden, Kyrie and KD, and if if you, even if you lose one of those three guys for injury for a span of time, you're still probably the best team in the East, you know, and I think the Nets will have still have enough on their roster to fill out a, a representative team. We just saw the Lakers win an NBA championship with basically just LeBron and AD. I know we all love KCP. KCP is suddenly the best player in the NBA from what we're being told. Rondo has been resurrected, um, but that was basically just two guys. And the Nets would guarantee themselves if one of them, one of their big three, I'm talking about if James Harden was on the team, got hurt, guarantee him someone on the team. Now, I think if you got James Harden, it may spell the end of Kyrie Irving as a Brooklyn Net. What? No. Because I can't imagine that those three guys... 
as much as they may be friends and they all text emojis to each other, would ever be able to coexist for more than a season together. We just saw James Harden was out of Houston to get away from Russell Westbrook on some level. And we were told previously how good of friends they are. They're still apparently friends, but they don't want to coexist on a basketball court. Paul George may be on the trading block. And Kawhi demanded that the Clippers get Paul George so that he would come to the Clippers. We are seeing over and over again, players like to get together and then they decide they don't want to be together. And I I feel bad for Kevin Durant. It's almost like I am a child of divorce, Brian. <laughs> it would almost be like, I, yeah. I sympathize with Kevin because it would almost be like if he was in court, in family court, James Harden's his mother, Kyrie Irving's his father, and the judge said to him, little Kev, you can only choose one to live with for the rest of your life. Why? Why, why, do, why are we triangulating? Why does it have to be this way? Because this is what has to happen. Like, because there's no way Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant are a sustainable threesome. This would be like in a, in a three-way love triangle. Well, nothing lasts forever. How many love triangles... Last a long time <laughs> in your life, Brian. How um, many? I, if people don't know, Brian's. Uh, uh, I have the two king cats. Of love I have two cats, um, <laughs> and I like them. Well, actually, I, one I don't like at all. So in that case, you're right. Um, but he's Kyrie Irving. <laughs> no, but here's the thing: it's I. The reason that these things break apart is a lack of winning the the stupid championship, right? I mean, like even Kevin Durant stuck out that situation that he obviously was was never really a perfect fit because it wasn't even just a three-way. There was a four-way. It was a foursome over in uh, Golden State. And, you know, I, I'm down with threesomes, foursomes. That's too much. That's way too much going on. Uh, and I think he felt that way too. He felt, <laughs> he felt pushed out of the room. And I get it. Uh, but I'm just saying, like, I, I think that the success makes the longevity a little bit easier. Had Westbrook and Harden gotten to the conference finals, had heck, had Paul George gotten to the conference finals, I think you'd be hearing a different tune, but these are underachievers at this at the very moment. These are superstar underachievers, and that's a very different plight. Okay, it's a very different situation. So, who's better, Kyrie Irving or James Harden? <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a. I, I think this I is think we could, this is a sports. Talk, this is not a sports talk radio show, Mike. I refuse <laughs> to engage. I'm just saying, as as much as maybe, and so there's also a report out there. I forget who it's from. You know, we're getting all these like there's little threads of information that we're all trying to pull together. Someone reported that some in in the net the Nets mind meld community, some of the Nets players are really in favor of James Harden being here, while other prominent players or player Wait, maybe not what? so much. Where are you getting this from? This was like I think someone from like the Houston Chronicle or or, or something like that. It was he, so he said there. there is a player on the Nets who's not in favor of this. Well, the idea is if that is a true report that it's probably Kyrie Irving. It's not Kevin Durant because it's been reported by Zach Lowe and Ramona Shelburne and Woj that Kevin Durant and Harden discussed in L.A. workouts. Hey, man, maybe we would play together and how that could work and what it would mean. Uh, Kevin Durant is probably obviously in favor of James Harden being here in Brooklyn. And if anyone has any sway in the organization, there's only two other players I could think of that I have enough power that would not want it to happen. It'd be DeAndre Jordan and Kyrie Irving. Now that's maybe not necessarily true. You know, that could just be, I mean, there's a lot of like interference and we're not really getting to the truth of the matter. Right. But 
If you're Kyrie Irving, do you really want James Harden? I'm gonna get team? a source on this Houston Chronicle. I feel like this is the Mike this Mike Smilts Chronicle. That's that's what it sounds like to me. I <laughs> I saw there there's a very legit report. It was on Twitter. Okay. It had to be legit. Yeah, right. You know? Fair enough. Fair enough. Um anyways, so the I I think there are clear positives and negatives, and I'll do some quick ones more. Uh Harden is definitely better than Bradley Beal and Drew Holiday. So, you know. I think my sort of like, do we really want to do the Drew Holiday trade? The the thing I would hold back is like, could you get a better player with the number of assets you would need to get to get Drew Holiday? James Harden would end that conversation. There's no more holding assets. You throw everything at the Rockets, right? Um, a, a, a positive, but kind of a negative, I guess, if you're Joe size, like, yeah, your team's expensive, but like, who cares at that point? Um, I don't think it's also a small thing that James Harden is probably one of the more popular players in China. And that does matter to Josiah. That's not like, you know, it, James Harden was on the Rockets. The Rockets were obviously the favorite team of China before Daryl Morey. You're so good at that, Mike. That's a, that's um, a real pro. And that, that matters to a, a man whose fortune is tied up into, you know, in China. You know, that matters that a player on his team maybe, and that would maybe appeal to James Harden that he could get into that pipeline that alibaba pipeline that joseph did you know has. here's a neat fact neat fact of the day mike uh you ever listen to that podcast acquired it's like a business podcast they did one about um the nba <laughs> the history of the business of the nba and china was i think dating back to like the 1920s or something because of the first ymca like christian outreach whatever things like we exported uh basketball to china like really early on and they had some of the the earliest international leagues were were already in China, like way before we thought, or before I thought. So, um, so they have their own traditions there that that go that date way back, Mike, way back. But to, to add another fun fact of the day, uh, Magic Johnson, who's one of the uh, best followers on Twitter, I guess that's how you could describe him. Meaning that, like he he is known for saying the most obvious thing you could possibly say on Twitter. This is what he says about Drew Holiday. He says. <laughs> I love this. Hmm. Drew Holiday is an available player on the trade market. What? Thank you, man. That, no. That's... <laughs> yeah. That checks all the wow. boxes and can play both guard positions. He's the best defender at the guard position and can score and dish the ball. And then he added Drew Holiday Dude, on Twitter. That's, that's not so how you do this, funny. Magic. He uses it like how, you know how like when your parents, or, like when people are like, Twitter's so dumb, like, I don't care if you ate a piece of pizza. Like, who cares? That's... You know, like nobody really uses Twitter for that, <laughs> but like, yeah. but like, he's a Magic Johnson. He actually does. That is so. When when Ashton Kutcher was the king of Twitter, that yeah. was, I guess, the way that we thought Twitter was being used right. was to say, "Hey, I'm walking down the street yeah. eating pizza." Yeah. It's like, no one ever. I'm gonna start a Twitter account yeah. just so I can do that. It's like your parents' examples of of mocking Twitter that mocking tweets that never happened. Yeah. Um. So I I do want to throw something by you here for a sec. Positive negatives in versus um, Nash, Steve Nash. Okay. So I would say from everything we know about Steve Nash is that he probably has the EQ superpowers to be able to sort of juggle Kyrie and Harden and KD. You think so? But but do you think that is almost too much in a coach's first year where in this coach has never coached before in his life? Does it give you any pause that he would be the guy trying to mold and meld oh, yeah. KD, Kyrie, and James Harden? Totally. That's a huge – yeah, of course. It's a it's <laughs> a huge lift. I mean, it's not even just on the EQ, on, on every level. I mean, like, let's say um, 
you're you're really in the managing egos business at that point. Um, which is thank thank goodness you've got Mike D'Antoni and uh, all the other all the other bros around, um, experienced bros, because um, the X's and O's are not themselves super self evident either. I mean, like that's a lot of firepower, but it's a lot of overlapping firepower and stuff that you really should have a very clear idea of how you're going to implement. Um, and not to say that Steve Nash doesn't think that way. I have no idea. Maybe he could be a basketball genius and, you know, it's, we're all good, but uh, that's a steep learning curve, especially day one when you're expected. I mean, we're coming out like thinking like, what, 65 regular season <laughs> wins? I mean, like what if you have that team, like what's all right, 70 wins, right? Here we go. In a 72. Yeah, what would be a disappointment yeah. if they if they only won 55 games and be like what's yeah. wrong with you Steve Nash you should be fired yeah. let's move Mike D'Antoni into your spot well we do have basically. to do some like math about what what the expected win totals will be because we're we're 10 games later this season um right that's still the plan 72 game season yeah 72 games yeah a, a, a lot of it would be I think a lot of it would be in division and again no one cares about the division but it would matter this year so the division for the Nets, again, is the Celtics, the Raptors, the Sixers, and the Knicks. Brutal. So if the the Knicks lost out on Chris Paul, he's going to Phoenix. So if they don't make the Russell Westbrook trade, they may not win a game all season. Yeah. And which would probably be good for the Knicks franchise, actually, if they just tanked. If they sit on like, their hands this season. If they can if they can arrest the controls away from Tom Thibodeau, who who Tibby Tibby. <laughs> Tibby <laughs> Wants, who definitely wants to pull the trigger. I can feel it. I can feel it down in my plums. Well, and this draft, the not the one that's going to happen on Wednesday, right. but the one after it, the 2021 draft is supposed to be pretty, amazing. People are pretty hype about it already. And 2022, people are equally hyped about is what I hear. So, so this is the time if you're the Knicks. Like, I'm almost proud of the Knicks for not – because they could have trumped the Suns' offer. The Suns gave up eventually basically like – I mean, fine veterans and Rubio and Ubre and something else. And then like a first round pick in the future. 2022, I think, was the first round pick. Mm -hmm. um, not the one in this current draft where they have 10 overall. Like the Knicks could have just put like Mitchell Robinson and a couple other pieces together. You think? And I, I think the Knicks could have topped the Suns offer, particularly if they put like a 2021 first round pick of their own in there. If I'm the Thunder, I'd rather have that than mm -hmm. the Suns situation. Fair. But – Kind of proud of them. They didn't do it. Anyways. Proud. A um, few last thoughts on the James Harden Mike's, to... Mike's last trade. thoughts. This is the segment. Um, Closing time. Every, everyone who uh, doesn't want DeAndre Jordan on the Nets, this could almost be the DeAndre Jordan escape hatch. Uh, because... So DeAndre... <laughs> DeAndre's from Houston. Ah. Could you convince DeAndre... Hey, you know, we really want to send you home. I know everyone's been like, you know, really feeling I'm really emotional and distant because, you know, of COVID and we've all been quarantining. I think it would be good for you, DeAndre, if we send you just home to Houston. You know, let's get you in this Houston Rockets trade. You get to go with Karis and Dinwiddie. Just go home. You know, mm -hmm. get make your money. It's tax free in Texas. I don't know if you know that, DeAndre. Of course he does. Um Let's send you over there. Let's get you back home. You wear that red and white Rockets jersey. You retire a Rocket. You retire in your hometown. And then the Nets can slide Jared Allen into the starter spot, which is what everyone wants. So that's, you know, just a small little possibility. I feel like you could, like, if you're on the phone, be like, yeah, so we're let's do this trade. It's going to be Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie, and Georgia, like, Jandre, 
Jared, like JRL. Like, like it's merge. You could smush it so that you could trick them, <laughs> and then in the margins, <laughs> you write DeAndre instead of Jared Allen, right? Jared, Jared, Jared. So um, there's something there. The other thing, Mike D'Antoni does know James Harden better than anyone else in and the NBA at this point. He knows wh- how good James Harden is, of course, and um, if there's any coach in the NBA that I would trust with maybe molding all this together, I would say it's Mike D'Antoni. Obviously, he's just an assistant coach and not the head coach. So there's a difference. Can I ask you something, Brian? Oh, please. Do you think there's any part of James Harden that could conform his game into like with Kyrie and KD? Because I don't. I don't see... I mean... Yeah. And again, it doesn't, that doesn't mean that it can't work. I just don't see it happening because he's played with Chris Paul. It didn't really happen. He's played with Russell Westbrook, and it didn't really happen. I don't know why this would be any different. It is funny to think like, all right, so we have the three guys. Who's going who's gonna to be the guy that changes? The changes for you – know, we've got – and it's, you know the, the, what sucks is that it's going to be Kyrie Irving who's going to be the guy that's going to be forced to be like, be, you know, pass first for the first time after – not ever being that way, even when you had LeBron James on your team. Um, and you're right. Maybe that's where the wedge begins to get sunk in. Um, but yeah, no, none of them are going to want to do that. And especially least of all James Harden. I don't see that happening. Yeah. So I think my biggest concerns to wrap it up is defense wouldn't be great. But if you look, the offense would be otherworldly and there'd almost be like there, there would not be a cure to stop the Nets offense. The Nets mm-hmm. offense would run rampant. It would be like it'd be awesome. It'd be yeah. it'd be super fun. Are you kidding? I yeah. mean, even with all the BS about like he shoots free throws, fine. I don't give a. We're stacking dubs. Are you kidding me? Chips and dubs. <laughs> I don't. I'll watch free throws. All the whole forty eight minutes of free throws. I don't care. Give me dubs. I, I, biggest concern is defense, and it is like that is a. Harden has never shown an ability to to be a complimentary player except for when he was with OKC, but that was a decade ago, basically. So that is a huge issue for a coach like Steve Nash, who's never done this before, to figure this out. He is a genius. We all understand he's a basketball genius. So is Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd was a bad head coach. Bad, not good. Like, not terrible, but not good. And he's now been, you know, out of two jobs because of it. So just being a basketball genius doesn't mean that you're going to be a great coach. Um, but if you circle around this long, we haven't really said it. If you are the Nets, you do this trade. You do it. You do do it. If you can do it. You do I don't it. really – I'm not even – I'm not questioning that. I'm just bringing up the positive. If you can do this trade, you do everything you can to get it done. You give up Karis, Spencer, Jared Allen, three first-round picks and a pick swap. If you can throw Torian Prince in there and then bring back Robert Covington, um, then it's 100% definitely do. If you can maybe bring back P.J. Tucker or something, too, instead of Covington, fine. You do it. You make it happen. And we're flying high on the Zeppelin that is it's dreaming. It's fun to dream. We'll see. We'll see, Mike. Uh, we have the NBA draft on Wednesday. Brian and I will pod at some point after the draft because either there'll be a trade or the Nets take someone really fun and exciting at number 19 overall. So we will be in your ears so fast. It'll be amazing. Mikey, thank you so much for having me. Oh, my God. It was so much fun.